the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered round Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, ceremonially unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honour your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban, that is, a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Thanks, David. Sorry about all the noise and the distractions of life. Let's pray and then let's have a look at this passage. Father, thank you. We ask that you will indeed help us. Uh, there are many distractions, and uh, as we see in this passage, the leaders one is our own hearts. There's nothing that distracts a man and a woman like their own heart. And we thank you that you are the one who is the light of this world that can shine straight into the human heart 
so that the human heart can understand itself for the first time and everything else changes forever. So we do pray for that, Lord. Help us this morning to hear the very words of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I think it was one of the very intelligent people of uh, our world that said, uh, you can't solve the problem with the mindset that was the reason why the problem first arose. You cannot change a problem that has been made by a mind that was the reason for that problem in the first place. Fascinating thought, isn't it? And that's really what's at the heart of what we're looking at this morning. Fantastic passage for us to be reminded and to actually understand that uh, the human heart is a very, very fascinating piece of equipment. It does far more than just pump blood through your system. Uh, the scriptures obviously use it in a much more metaphorical sense than simply that. But as you, I'm sure most of you now know that the heart actually has a certain brain cells in them and they communicate with your mind, not just your mind, with your heart and uh, your moods and your values actually literally does come from your physical heart, not just uh, the idea that it all comes from your brain, which is really interesting. This is a little bit of sideline. But here in this passage, we can see Marcus uh, kind of helping us. So he takes a story that most likely did not happen in the sequence of the events. Um, he's actually taking and he's plucking it in the middle uh, for us so that we may understand something that we've been noticing as you read Mark, it becomes a little bit more clear and clear. Something seriously is wrong. So this passage has got a lot of things that happened in the past. So if you are familiar with Mark, you will pick it up. So when moment you read the Pharisees and the scribes from Jerusalem arrive, you know the troublemakers are there. So whenever they pitch up, stuff starts to happen. The last one they pitched up, they said Jesus was the devil himself, that he was the prince of the demons himself. And they were very happy to share their views on Jesus Christ. But what you'll find in this passage is that they have a problem, and then Jesus engages their problem, and then he does a little bit of a twist. Because what we'll discover is that all of humanity is actually all the same. All of humanity shares the same problem. The heart of the human problem is the human heart. And even though it expresses itself different, it all has the same problem. Which is bad news on the one side, and in the other side, very good news. And so, let's have a look and see how this is going. So, the issue here, again, he tells us, they are very strict. They've got the, what they call the, the tradition of the elders. Um, there are 613 laws in the Old Testament. These guys were so keen on keeping those laws that they added another 600-something laws just to make sure that you don't break one of those inner laws, those really serious ones. So, they added a whole bunch of other laws around that. Um, and that's really what is going on here. These people are very serious about their relationship with God. In their minds and in their hearts, that is their great concern. They want to live a life that is so good that they can actually everybody can see it. And that everybody will understand how important God is to them. And that is why they come 
And Mark tells us a little bit, most of us don't know anything about it. The Jews wash their hands, they wash their food. This is pre-COVID-19, all right? Um, they washed everything when they came from the marketplace, washed their hands, washed their feet, updated their food before they ate it, because they wanted to be ceremonially clean and saying, we are not defiled by those who are not God's people, nor either God's things. And so that's what they were doing, and Mark gives us a little bit of insight. But in verse 3, really, the issue comes. They are actually annoyed at Jesus, because Jesus is the teacher, the rabbi, and his disciples aren't following these rules and these regulations. So I take it that Jesus probably must have told them specifically not to do it. Because, as he says, all the Jews do that. And here these guys are not doing it. And so Jesus is always uh, helping us to realize he is kind of trying to make you think. He's trying to engage you so that you will actually be thinking. And so that's what they say to him. He says, why do your disciples not follow these things? And so really what this is all about is about how do you get right with God? The final means. What has been specifically set apart for God becomes common. What God praises and prizes must not become common. Doesn't mustn't become defiled. And that's really what they're on about. And they think it's all about how you wash and all the pitchers and the kettles and the, the stuff that, uh, that they are doing. And Jesus is saying to them, you know what? You've had this problem ever since Isaiah identified your problem. And he goes to Isaiah chapter 29 and he says to them, these people honor me with their lips, with the outside, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. They teach, their teachings are merely human rules. I mean, that must have been a little bit of a shock to them. They thought they were really doing everything in their power to try and have their hearts right with God. And Jesus is saying to them, everything that you are doing is to make absolutely sure that your hearts aren't right with me. The human heart, when the human heart actually comes into contact with the word of God, Jesus says, the human heart is so powerful and so deceitful and so confused that it would use the very word of God in order not to keep the very word of God. That's quite a thing, isn't it? The human heart is so deceitful that it will actually use the very word of God in order not to have their hearts exposed to God. They will want to show on the outside that I'm okay. So, hands up, who put on their Sunday morning best face when they arrived here this morning? Who of you had a disagreement on the way to church this morning? <laughs> we are all social beings and we do put out a face often that we are something that we are actually not inside. And that's what Jesus is kind of just highlighting. Human heart has got ability to use reason and deductions and take the very word of God actually to nullify the very word of God. And that's what he's on about. This is what this whole little bit of that open. But just look at what Jesus says to them. Verse 8. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding to the human traditions. Human beings have the ability to take the word of God and to add to the word of God their interpretation 
And then the interpretation becomes more important than the Word of God. Verse 9. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. That's fascinating, isn't it? That when you're religious, this is a great danger for you if you're religious. That religion actually teaches you to do that, to set it aside. And then look at what he says in verse 13 when he comes to the end. He says, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. This is just an example. So, quickly, the Corbin thing. Not an issue for us, we don't know anything about it. Corbin was a way of making a vow to God, saying, whatever I have, I devote to you for your service. So often it's got, had to do with money. So people would devote money to God and say, we're going to give that money to you. God says, lots of people are using this as a way not to love their parents when they are old and frail and have to be looked after. That's what's going on here. So they say, I've got money, I've devoted it to God. I'm not going to therefore take that money and help my parents, my ailing parents. And the Pharisee says to them, Oh, since you've devoted it to God, that's much more important than God's word that says you must honor and love your parents. So you don't have to worry about your parents. Just give us the money. We'll be happy with that. Now you sit there and you say, Wow, how could somebody actually do that? And that is the potential of the human heart, to take the very word of God, to play the commands off one another, and then to choose which one you think is the important one to keep, and then to congratulate yourself that you've kept God's word while you actually just broke it. And you see how weird that is? That is the capacity that the human heart has in this context. So these guys are brilliant and able to confuse themselves and use the very word of God to decide which law. So one of the issues we'll see later in Mark chapter 12, they're always coming to know which are the most important of the rules and laws so we can kind of put them underneath one another. We can make a little hierarchical structure and say, well, I've kept the most important ones, the other ones are, you know. It's like the whole point of the law was that no matter what you do, you are going to break one of them. The whole point was to help you to see that when you break one of them, you are defiled. That was the whole point of all the laws. They thought that if I can keep a couple that I think is important, then I'm okay. But the whole point of the law is, you are not okay. In the deepest recesses of your being. Those laws were simple ways, external ways, for everybody to see that humans are not okay. We've just been seeing it. You alone are holy. We've just been declaring it. But the human heart has got a massive problem. It's very difficult for the human heart to acknowledge its own brokenness, its own fault, its own defilement. And so when you are a hardened heart, a heart far from God, a heart that we've seen is kind of being expanded. Even the disciples in last week, you remember? Why did they not understand Jesus walking on the water? Because their hearts were hardened. These are the disciples. Not just the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Not just those really bad out there people. And the really here inside people have the same problem. The human heart cannot 
look at itself and deduct clearly and carefully by itself that it has a problem within itself. You cannot change the human heart with the same heart that caused the problem in the first place. You see where this thing is going? Why is it that these guys are not seeing? Why is it that people hear but they don't weigh it and believe? Because they don't repent. Why do people not repent? Because they have hardened hearts. You see where Mark is going with this whole thing. Jesus is going around proclaiming the kingdom of God. The requirements are to repent and believe. People don't believe because they don't repent. And that's where Mark is saying, why is it that people do not repent? Why is it that people, when they look at the facts and they make the, the deductions, why don't they come to the right conclusion? Jesus says, the heart is incapable by itself to come to that conclusion. It is beyond the human heart to make that right deduction. It actually needs God's word. But it's so powerful that it will even take God's word and use it to excuse itself and tell itself it's okay. Can you, do, you get a, do you get a sense of hopelessness? Well, that's where Jesus is going. And so, that's that section. Then Jesus quickly turns to the crowds. Look at what he says. So now he calls everybody. Verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, anyone, and understand this. All the way back to chapter 4. Nine times Jesus says, listen. Listen and understand. Vital for you to hear and to understand. To make the right conclusions. To reach the right deductions. And then he tells us a little parable. And we think, what the heck? This parable is so simple. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. So, I mean, if you just read it like weird, then... Jesus is saying, when you go to the loo, that defiles you. If it comes in, doesn't defile you, you know, when it goes out, that defiles you. And Jesus says, and they what? It's so simple. But then, again, they ask Jesus, remember the disciples, those who really want to understand, and this is very important for us as well, you cannot understand what Jesus is saying until you go and ask Jesus to explain it. To you. And that's a massive crux. Lots of people hear the word of God. They hear good sermons. Well, not here, but other churches, you know. Hear the word of God. But do not hear to the point where they would go to Jesus and say, Jesus, you interpret what I've just heard for my they say, uh, I think that's what it says. And yeah, what about that passage? And I think that's an interesting passage. And I wonder how that passage fits with that. And I, I'm not sure how that fits in here. And so, okay, this is my deduction. Exactly in a more sophisticated way than what the Pharisees were doing. Very important. Listen carefully. You can hear without hearing. You can see without seeing. The only person who can open your eyes and open your ears is Jesus Christ Himself. 
It is beyond the human heart to hear and understand by itself. That's scary, isn't it? Not even the very Word of God is able to bring and pierce through a human heart. It takes Jesus Christ himself. And that's what Jesus then goes on. He explains it to them. And that's why we have it here. Because those disciples went to Jesus and they got it explained. And they understood what he was saying. And so Jesus is saying to them, are you so dull? Talking to the insiders, hey? those who are asking. Those who want. He says, I'm so fascinated that you have such an inability to do this. And then he explains it to them. So, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? Why is that? For it, is, uh, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body into their toilet. Actually, literally what he's saying. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And then look at what he says in verse 23 again. All these evils come from inside and defiles the person. The one thing that God has set apart for himself from the very beginning of creation is... Mankind. God has made man and set him apart for his special relationship with himself. And man from within himself makes himself unspecial. Defiles himself. It's not about washings and pictures and bands. Those were just simply outside helps so that you may see what's going on on the inside. But the human heart is so hard it will take the very signs and twist them and change them. And so Jesus is saying, your problem is inside you. Your problem is inside you. Now that is not something that you can arrive at unless you hear it from Jesus Christ himself. You could hear me say it, I can say it ten times. If Jesus doesn't speak it into your heart because you're not asking him, you will not understand that and be able to accept it. That's shocking, isn't it? It is so deceitful that you can hear it and it won't make any difference whatsoever. You will not go to Christ and say, you are the only one who can help me see what's wrong with me. I can hear all the words but I don't think it's me. I think it's other people. Those other people, you see this whole thing, why do your people don't do what we do? Because we are standing out from them. You know, the them and us? Where do you draw your them and us lines? Jesus says, this is true for every single human being. And Mark is going to pick that up in the next section again. He's saying, every human being has this problem. And you hear that. What does it do to you to hear that? So maybe you can find yourself. So shall we go through the list? Can you find yourself in this list? From within comes evil thoughts. 
Evil thoughts is a fascinating word. The word thoughts is, is to dialogue. Do you know that you, who do you dialogue the most with? With yourself. So you start with yourself, you follow your logic, and you return to yourself. Is that true? I mean, you've got to ask yourself, is Jesus talking rubbish or is that true? Do you talk to yourself the most? And do you have your own emotions and ideas and stuff as where you start from and where you end up with? This is, that's what every human being does. They have a dialogue within themselves and they figure out a way to not hear what the dialogue is about. I love arguing with myself because I always win. Especially if I think, but I, if I think I know what you're thinking and I'm arguing with you, then I always win. But when I'm actually arguing with you, I often get it on my nose. See how fascinating this is. Is this part of you? Is this part of your problem? You start with yourself and you look out to other people and you say, hmm, don't really know how they can do something. How oh, is this possible? Is that, that true of you? Do you do that? Are you confused about why people act and do and think and feel the way they do? Are you confused about why you think and act and do the way you do? You start with yourself, you end with yourself. And all you have is yourself. See how Jesus is saying, just, very, just the first jolly word, already like, boom. Can you hear that? Will you ask Jesus why you sit right there? Is Jesus, help me to figure out if I do this kind of a conversation and this dialogue within myself. And where do I arrive at every time? How right I am? And how stupid, ignorant, uninformed, evil, brutish all those other people are. Who are you comparing yourself against? See what Jesus is saying? The problem with the human heart is that it always starts and ends with itself. And so it will think that it is better than others. It will think that I am not like that. I would never be able to do that. Did Jesus speak to you? Don't let me start. Sexual immorality. Are you sexually pure? 100% pure. No deviations in your wishes, in your dreams, in your fantasies, in the pornography. Seeing somebody else lusting after them. Wishing you were like that. Thefts. Actually, all, those things are all plurals. It's very interesting. The first half of the list is all plurals. I don't know why. Can't figure it out. The second half are all in the singular. Thefts. Fascinating. Loads of ways in which you cover up. Steal. Steal other people's glory. Steal other people's fame. Steal other people's stuff. It's just, there's just endless ways in which we steal. Murders. Ever wish somebody was not around? Adultery. 
similar to the Borneo one. This is just wishing you had somebody else's wife, somebody else's husband. Greed. The desire to have more. Finding my hope in something else and other than God himself. If only I had. What? Fill in the dotted line, you'll know where your heart goes. If only I have more what? More of God? But you've been singing back my heart. Oh, you see where this guy fascinating. When you start to play with this stuff, you actually put on the brakes and just work through each one of these things. You've got to ask Jesus to help you to see if that is true of you. Malice. An inward rottenness that he's talking about. That wants to express itself in breaking others down. Deceit. Trickery. Alluring people. Hurt, people who have been hurt hurt others. Fascinating. If only others were like me. Lewdness, that's a quite a nice one, isn't it? It's unrestrained sensuality. Do you live by your senses? By what you see, by what you feel, by what you smell, by what you hear? Is that, you make your decisions based on that? Envy, the evil eye. You somebody the evil eye. Lack of word, hey? When somebody steps on your bunion, your eyes just flash love and forgiveness and kindness and goodness. <clears throat> Give them that evil eye, that, that I wish karma would come and visit you. Slander. This is a fascinating word. It is slow to call what is good, good, and it's slow to call what is evil, evil. It's weird, isn't it? How quick are you to call good, good, and evil, evil? The delay we have in our hearts. Pride, there's a great one. Want to shine a little bit more. And then he ends up with foolishness again. It's a lack of an inner perspective when you're a fool. You actually can't see as you should see. See, Jesus gives us this, and he says, all of this comes from within. It's generated by the human heart, it is argued by the human heart, and it is lived out by the human heart. Can you see why this is defiling you? This is making you not special, in that sense. It cuts you off from the image of God. God has made us to be in His image bearers. We are these special people. He has set us apart. But all of this makes you common, defiled, ugly, sinful, broken. And it all comes from within us. And only the Lord Jesus Christ can actually whisper that into your ear. And so John has actually been telling us, Mark has been telling us that from the beginning. John came and did a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then he says, I will baptize you with water. I can do the other thing. What you really need is Jesus and the baptism of the Spirit. You cannot arrive at this by your own knowledge and understanding. You can arrive at it that you need help. You can't change it. Fascinating, isn't it? So I just want to end off by reading that very familiar section. 
to encourage you. Isn't this incredible? So when you look at yourself in the mirror, alright, do you make the right deductions? And when you look at the TV, do you make the right deductions? When you read the news, do you make the right deductions? Where do you go? Where does your heart go in all of that? Is it to excuse yourself, to distance yourself from what you see and hear? Or is it to say, wow, there we go. This is us. This is me. This is the reality of our world. It is incredibly broken. And so listen to what John says. This is not John the Baptist. This is John the Apostle. Very familiar section. But here all the terrifying reality with the fact that Jesus Christ came into this world. And remember, we already done that. His purpose statements. Why did I come? I have come to tell you that you've got a problem that is beyond your ability to understand or accept. I have come to tell you that. And I have come to call sinners to myself. That's why I have come. So this is where everyone who recognizes, and everyone who recognizes that don't recognize will come and ask, Jesus, will you please speak to my heart? Because I have a malady. And I see everybody else around me has the same malady. And I cannot figure it out. And I cannot stop it from expressing itself. Will you please speak to me? And so listen to what uh, John says in 1 John, a very familiar section. He says, this is the message that we've heard from the beginning. That God is light. And in Him there is no darkness whatsoever. If we say, if we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out reality. But if we walk in the light, meaning come to Him, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. There is no other way. If we claim we uh, to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is nowhere near us at all. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned at all, we make Him out to be a liar, and His word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. <laughs> Isn't that the most insane thing? Jesus Christ knows what is going on in your heart, in your reasoning, every single second of your life. And he says, I have come to save you from that. Now, I don't want to try and shock you, but if you knew what I was thinking, you would not preach up on a Sunday morning to listen to what I've got to say. Would you step in to the reality of the brokenness of your own sin and those around you? Or do you distance yourself Push yourself away. I am not like those people. And you don't understand. 
Because every human has got exactly the same problem, says Jesus, is from within. And all the shenanigans that humans come up actually comes from. Mine is just maybe a different variation on the theme. So it's scary news, isn't it? But it's good news. Because there's one person that truly understands every human heart. And he says, I've come to call sinners to salvation. I've come to fetch you. So I hope you will look at the news different from the heart. I will hope that you will look at yourself different from now. I hope that you will realize that you need Jesus Christ and every other person that you lay your eyes on need Him just as much as you. Will you receive Christ and will you give Christ so that those who don't know, don't understand, still have lots of arguments with themselves and they keep on winning, will actually engage with Jesus Christ. That is what Mark is trying to help us, to set us free from actually thinking we are different from others. We all say, suffer from the same problem. You cannot change the human heart with the human heart that has created the problem. Only Jesus Christ has got the ability to help you to recognize that, to accept that, to come to Him. For salvation. Let's pray together. But Jesus, we thank you. We know that it is impossible for our hearts to accept what we've heard this morning unless you speak to us. You tell us that faith comes from hearing the message, but the words must be your life giving voice that speaks truth into our hearts. So I want you to help us in this moment as we sit here, just to take half a minute and respond to you. Why don't you just talk to the Lord Jesus Christ and tell him what you think of him. maybe take half a minute to tell him how much you think you need him.
Now take a half a minute to tell the Lord Jesus how much you think the people around you need him. Jesus, we thank you that we can come to you and ask you by your spirit to indeed speak to us. You are the only one who really understands the human heart. Thank you that you understand us. Oh, we confess and admit that we don't understand ourselves. Oh, Lord, and when we look around us, we definitely don't understand other people. want to attribute to ourselves all the good stuff and we want to attribute to others the bad stuff. Thank you that your word tells us this is every human being's great predicament. Oh Lord Jesus, how wonderful that is that you are the one who reveals the truth and that you are the grace that covers that truth. So we want to step, Lord, into, into life with that understanding. We pray that your Spirit will keep on whispering in our ears, in our hearts, your truth. That it's only you that has the capacity to grab a human heart. And you say, come and ask me and I will give it to you. Seek me and you will find me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How marvelous is that, Lord? How simple and yet how complicated is that? How profound and how disconcerting is that? So thank you that you bring us this morning. We pray that you will help us to discover the greater depths the wonder, the absolute sheer incredibleness of your grace. That the trustworthy saying is that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. How marvelous, how wonderful, how amazing is that? That you really, really know, and yet you can. Help us, Lord, to treasure you above all things. May you indeed be our treasure. And we praise you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.